Well, hello, and welcome to the County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of the Conversation, we're going to talk with Lauren Lockstamfer. She's with the Disease Carrying Insects Program with the Health Department. Lauren, thanks so much for being here with us on the County Conversation Podcast. Thank you. Disease Carrying Insects Program. That, that, that's a mouthful and it sounds scary. <laughs> are, are, is something we need to worry about? Well, you know, it, it is something that we are concerned about. Um, we, we definitely do our best to protect our residents from the county from insects that, that carry diseases. Uh, you know, every year we, we have cases of things such as Lyme disease or West Nile virus. Um, and that's one of the reasons that our program's in place. Mm-hmm. Um, is now the, the time that we really are, I guess, more vigilant of the, the, the insects or more, uh, they're more visible as we kind of enter the, the warmer weather in the summertime? Is it more top of mind for us, I guess? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, right now we are seeing um, ticks become more active as the weather warms up. We're also seeing our mosquito populations start to become more active as well. And, you know, especially now with a lot of people being home with coronavirus and spending more times outdoors during the day, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of people be concerned about tick bites and mosquitoes around the home and things like that. Mm-hmm. We, you know, as you said, we've all been cooped up in the house trying to just, you know, get in the yard to maybe do some exercise or enjoy the fresh air. And it seems like it's, it's taken a while this year for us to, to get some warmer weather. Are there things that we should be looking for, uh, observing uh, to, to try to, you know, A, I guess, see if there's insects around us or things that we should do to prevent the insects from being around us? Oh, absolutely. So one of the big things that we ask people to help us do is to take a look around their yards for areas that are going to hold water. And I mean, that could be anything from, you know, a drainage ditch in your yard to the saucer of water that sits underneath your potted plant. Um, we, we do see a number of issues with corrugated downspout pipes as well, those black corrugated pipes that, that come off your downspout. And all of these things can potentially produce mosquitoes that are going to be biting you in your yard. Um, we, we have a, a mosquito in this area called the Asian tiger mosquito, and they love to bite people all day long. They're very aggressive nuisance biters, um, and they come out of these artificial containers of standing water. So when you're home and out looking and, you know, working in your yard, if you see anything that's potentially holding water, it's a really good idea to either get rid of that or get the water out of it. You mentioned the the black corrugated pipe. Um, I know we've got some of that black plastic pipe in our yard, in the in the front yard, uh, but it's buried underneath a mulch bed. Is yeah. that good or bad? <laughs> well, that can be bad because it's at that point mm-hmm. it's difficult to actually remove and and drain the water from it. So you know, think about it. Every time it rains, the water comes down, and there's the little corrugations at the bottom of the pipe that it'll sit in. And a mm-hmm. lot of times when the pipes are buried underground, we actually see them, you know, sort of bow underground, and it creates a pocket down there in the pipe that holds water. And these mosquitoes are really good at finding these sources of water, even if they have to, you know, fly through a pipe underground to get to it. So we, wow. we can see, you know, a number of problems from mosquitoes coming from these pipes, especially when they're buried and you can't really see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what about during periods of... Um you know, extended drought or say it hasn't rained for, you know, two days or a week or whatever, 
Um, do we still need to be vigilant even though it hasn't rained like yesterday or whatever? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, even when there's there's not much rain or much water out there that's visible, there there's still going to be sources of water where these mosquitoes can reproduce from. Um, you know, and there's still going to be mosquitoes out flying around and active. So, you know, make sure whenever you're outdoors enjoying, you know, yard work or, or hiking or, or spending time out there that you're doing things like wearing repellent, wearing long sleeves and, and long pants to help protect your skin as well. Mm -hmm. What's, um, I don't know how to ask this question, uh, what's more um, effective? Is it, um, you know, removing the standing order or, you know, putting out mosquito repellent products um, is is there is the is the removing of the water the best thing to do yeah absolutely if you can get rid of that standing water if you can remove any of those sources of water it's gonna greatly reduce any mosquito populations in the area um, part of the mosquito life cycle involves the water the eggs are laid with water the immature mosquitoes the larvae develop in the water and you know most of, of the time, the lifespan of the mosquito is spent in the water. So if we can interrupt that life cycle by removing the water, you're greatly going to reduce the number of mosquitoes you have out there. Mm -hmm. uh, we mentioned kind of the, the time of the year. We're, you know, early June. I know uh, my wife has uh, already planted some flowers in the yard and those kind of things. She uh, enjoys getting out there and doing that kind of thing. More folks are, you know, starting to enjoy the outdoors as we're... Uh, you know, getting a little more brave with the coronavirus, uh, you know, quarantines and self-isolations and things that we've had. Uh, what about, you mentioned repellent earlier and, and things that you can put on or wear. What are some of the prevention tips that you can give us to help from getting bitten while we're outside in the yard? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we do recommend using EPA-approved repellents. Um, those are basically recommended by the CDC as well. So it's going to be things such as repellents that contain DEET or picaridin, um, oil of lemon eucalyptus, or IR3535. There's a few other ones that have come out recently as well that have some really long, difficult to pronounce names that, that we won't get into. Um, but but if it's been, you know, approved by the EPA for use on people, then they're going to be effective repellents. Um, it's, it's good to keep in mind that repellents are meant to be applied to your skin, um, and that's one of the reasons also why we recommend wearing long, loose, light-colored clothing uh, because the clothing is going to help protect your skin from bites as well. And if it's tight up against your skin, sometimes those mosquitoes can get their uh, proboscis through the clothing to, to bite you. Oh, okay. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that. And and what's the uh, the reason for the light coloring? They, they can't see it? Or? Well, so so light coloring we recommend, and that's a, a lot of times it's for ticks because it actually makes it easier to see ticks that are crawling on you at that point. Oh, okay. So not necessarily for uh, on mosquitoes, but the ticks uh, more more relevant there. Uh, yes and no. So some mosquitoes are actually attracted to um, dark spots on light surfaces um, or dark colors in general. So a lot of times if you can be lighter in color, you may be just a little bit less attractive to mosquitoes. Right. Well, I think it also uh, helps keep you cooler too, like light-colored clothing. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple of advantages there. Um, are there things that we can actually put on our clothing like sprays or repellents or repellents? I know you said they work best if, if they're actually applied to the skin. Is there anything that we can do for our clothing or our hat or things like that that we're actually wearing? 
Yeah, so there there's some products out there that um, contain a, a chemical called permethrin, and that's actually meant to be sprayed onto clothing. So you'll have to read the label of, of what you're looking at. Um, there are formulations for clothing. Uh, you can also buy some clothing that has permethrin already embedded in it. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, if you're going to spray it on your clothing yourself, it's going to be good for typically five to six washes. Um, the clothing that comes pre-embedded is usually good for more than 50 washes. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so the disease-carrying insects program with Fairfax County within the health department, um, you guys and gals are working to uh, what identify the, the insects, help do prevention programs. What what exactly does the disease carrying insects program do? Kind of give me the 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 highlights, if we will, and then we'll dive dive deep into some of the things that you talk about. Sure. So uh, we provide surveillance and control for you know mosquitoes throughout the county. Uh, we also provide tick identification services to our residents. Um, we do some tick surveillance as well. Um, we also do a lot of outreach to the community and education. Okay. Surveillance. You you said that surveillance and control. How how do you surveil a tick? <laughs> well, for for tick surveillance, you know, we we have a number of different ways we can do it. We can set traps, or we can go out and drag for them. Um, some more of the passive ways that we do it is, you know, we'll um, participate uh, with deer hunts and collect ticks that come in off of deers at the check stations. Um, we hmm. go to speak with local veterinarians, and we collect ticks that they're pulling off of the animals that come into their clinics as well. And then part of that surveillance is also uh, people bringing the ticks that they found on themselves to us, and we can actually do the identification for them, you know, at the office. Um, or actually, I guess right now we're not really having people come to the office, but we're okay. having people either email us pictures or, or mail in the ticks to us to perform these identifications. Um, and that gives us some some idea of what's out in different zip codes and different areas at this time of the year or, or throughout the year, I should say. All right. Um, chemistry, biology, those type of subjects were not very good for me. So this may be a very dumb question, but there's different kinds of ticks? Absolutely, yeah. So in our area, we we have three ticks that we typically see biting people. Um, those three ticks, the most common that we see is the Lone Star tick. Um, after that, we see uh, the American dog tick and the infamous black-legged tick, who is our, our Lyme disease vector in the area, is the third tick that we, we typically see biting people in this area. There are some other species, mm-hmm. but they're just not as common. Okay. So three major ones here. Any one more major than the other, or are they all pretty pretty well equal offenders? Well, <laughs> it depends on what the offense is. Um, <laughs> we, we do see a lot of bites coming from Lone Star ticks because they are probably the most numerous tick that we have in the area, um, especially around this time of year when the adults and the nymphs for the ticks are active. Um, but the black-legged tick is is one that's of concern to us because it is our vector for Lyme disease transmission. We're talking with Lauren Lockstamfer with Fairfax County's Health Department. She's in the Disease Carrying Insects Program, and we're talking about uh, ticks and mosquitoes and how you can help fight the bite this uh, coming summer as the as the weather gets warm and we're getting outside and we're continuing our conversation here about ticks and how to identify them. These three major types of ticks, uh, Lauren, you said the health department can help identify them. Before I get into how we do that, what should someone do if they get a tick bite 
and they they want to be able to identify it. Is there is there something you should do once you, you see that tick, how to remove it, then how to identify it, that type of thing? Yeah. So um, if you are bit by a tick, you know, first we say don't panic. <laughs> it, it does happen. Even, even when you take all the precautions that we need to, um, occasionally you do get bit by a tick. So we, we recommend using uh, tweezers or forceps to remove the tick and basically grasp that tick right next to the skin where it's bit you and pull it straight up and out. So we don't recommend twisting the tick um, you know, or you know things like burning it or smothering it um, because all that's going to do is sort of irritate the tick and a better chance that it's going to spit before it comes out. <laughs> hmm. And if it irritates the tick, it's going to irritate you. Exactly. In, in, yeah. And, okay. and, you know, there's a greater risk that it, it could potentially expel some of um, its contents of saliva into you at that point. Oh, yuck. <laughs> so you're, you, you've got the tweezers. You're able to gently uh, pull it out. Now what? I've got this tick in my tweezer and I've got a, a, a bite mark on my arm. Yep. What do I do now? <laughs> so I would place the tick into a plastic baggie. Um, I typically put them in the freezer because that, you know, a couple days in the freezer mm. should help to kill them. Um, but where you've been bit, you're now going to want to wash it with soap and water. And then typically we're, you know, recommending that people keep an eye on that area, um, you know, for signs of infection or also over the next few days to few weeks, keep an eye out for general symptoms of tick-borne illness, which would be things like, you know, fever, rash, headache, joint pain, um, sometimes just generally not feeling well. And, you know, following up with the doctor if, if you do experience any of these symptoms. Hmm. Okay. So I know you mentioned during the, the times we're in, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, folks can't actually bring their little baggie of tick or ticks to the health department to get identified, but uh, some things we can do online. Are there any things for us to do um, visually for us to try to identify the ticks? And if we you know, can't do it then, how do we contact the health department to get some of this virtual assistance? Yeah, so, I mean, you can, you know, sort of Google images of the different types of ticks that are out there. Um, we, we do have um, some copies of our, our tick brochures that we hand out at events um, on our website as well, uh, which is fairfaxcounty.gov slash fight the bite. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times when ticks are very small, even with images that you can find online, it becomes difficult to identify them if you don't have a microscope or, or know what features you're looking for. So especially when right. they're small, we recommend that people send them to us for identification. Um, and that way we can place it underneath the microscope and provide a proper identification for it. I'm also assuming that all these ticks that are coming to you, the contacts that you're hearing about certain mos uh, mosquitoes or ticks in certain areas also helps you back to the other part of your mission is talking about the surveillance and kind of knowing where populations may be, may be growing or, or even uh, uh, lessening across the county. Oh, yeah, it absolutely does. So, you know, if, if we do see a species that's unusual, um, you know, it's something where we can go out and do additional surveillance if, if we feel the need to. Um, or make a note of it so we can keep an eye on those populations in that area as well. Um, so it, it definitely helps um, with the mosquitoes. You know, if, if people are complaining about stuff, um, you know, we can go out and take a look around their property, do an investigation. Um, and depending on what we find, you know, it might lead to, you know, recommendations or having us take a closer look in some of those areas. Right. Going back to the mosquitoes for a second, it, 
should people spray their property or spray their back backyard with you know whatever the you know I don't I think there's commercial companies that do it but also you know uh, substances that you can buy in the stores should we is that a recommendation to actually spray our property well so it's it's going to vary um you know everybody has a different level of i guess what they will tolerate in regards to mosquito mm. bites so for right. some people getting one bite is just something that they they don't tolerate at all um other people may have health concerns. Um, you know, I was saying how these mosquitoes come out of containers of standing water and things like that. You know, if, if there's something going on down the street from you and you're doing everything right in your yard, um, the mosquitoes can still fly onto your property and bite you. You know, they, they don't know political boundaries. They don't follow fence lines or, or you know, association lines or anything like that. Um, so mosquitoes do fly in from other places. And, you know, sometimes a, a treatment may be necessary to help control them in an area. Okay. And does does the doesn't the county um, also spray certain areas? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of what we do control wise in the county is going to be larval control or immature m control for the mosquitoes, and and we try to be more proactive with that. Uh, but you know, if if we do see a threat to public health, we we can actually do some spraying for the adult mosquitoes as well. Mm -hmm. All right. You kind of touched on this a couple of times already, and you mentioned outreach is one of the big things the Disease Carrying Insects program does. How are y'all doing this outreach now during uh, COVID-19? Well, it's it's been difficult. Um, this podcast is one of the ways we can do it right now. Um, okay. I, I will say that, you know, a lot of the events that we typically go through, to, you know, during the summer have, have been canceled. Um, so Honestly, I'm I'm not 100% sure how well we're going to be able to outreach our messaging this year. Um, we're probably going to have to have mm. a good discussion about that. <laughs> Is there any concern that uh, maybe this will lead to an increase of, uh, you know, mosquito population or tick bites or anything uh, over the summer or this year or trends going in the next year? It's it's always a possibility, um, but you know we we do have our resources that have been available for a long time to the county residents, um, and we we'd like to hope and believe that that most residents are aware of these resources as well and would contact us if they're having any problems. All right. Well, that's a, a good opportunity to segue into uh, you telling us what those those resources uh, sources are. I think you mentioned the website, but is there a phone number, those type of things as well that folks could reach out to? Yeah, so if people are having problems with, you know, mosquitoes at their home or um, if they're having problems with ticks even, they can give us a call at 703-246-8931. Uh, one of the things we do is we like to come out and um, provide assistance to residents. So we're, we're not going to come out and spray your yard or, or anything like that. But what we do do is come out and take a look around your property and help to identify areas that are going to be problematic for mosquitoes. So whether or not that's, um, you know, immature mosquito production, if there's water in places um, or places, you know, recommendations that we could make to help reduce adult mosquito populations as well, um, we'll come out and take a look around and, and help to give you some additional advice there. Mm -hmm. and I was uh, going to ask you, it seems like several years ago, West Nile virus was kind of the the scary thing. But over the last few years, it seems like we're not hearing as much about West Nile virus. Is that no longer a concern? Oh, West Nile virus is absolutely a concern for us. Um, you know, every year we we potentially see 
at least usually one human case. Um, some years, you know, we've seen up to eight or nine cases of West Nile virus in our residents, and we've had deaths from West Nile virus still. So it's still happening. It's still out there. Um, it's something that we monitor for on a weekly basis all summer long in our mosquito populations because, you know, we recognize that this is a threat to the public health in our residents. Lauren, kind of part of the podcast is to get to know county employees. And I got to ask this question. You, you work for the health department, the disease carrying insects program. What, what brought you down that path? <laughs> like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go work with ticks and mosquitoes. Um, well, I, I always really enjoyed working outdoors and playing outdoors when I was younger. So I knew whatever career I got into, I, I wanted it to be outdoors. Mm. Um, I ended up working for a uh, company that did mosquito work on a municipal level uh, for a number of years, and through that, um, eventually ended up here at the county. Nice, and getting your chance oh, to get absolutely. outdoors. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. As we're uh, as we're kind of wrapping up our time together, uh, tell me what's the 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 one thing you would want listeners to take away from this podcast what's the one thing you want them to remember to do to uh, i guess help helping the uh, the fight against ticks and mosquitoes yeah so so the big thing is take those personal prevention measures so make sure you are wearing repellent if you find a tick um, you know if you're outdoors do a tick check after you come back inside if you find a tick remove it promptly um, that'll help to reduce risk for disease transmission and then make sure you're taking a look around your yard for standing water or anything that would potentially hold water for longer than you know three to four days. And if you have that, get rid of that water. Mm -hmm. All right. Lauren, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Again, she mentioned uh, fairfaxcounty.gov slash fight the bite. Also, their telephone number is 703-246-8931. Lots of good information there on the website. And, of course, any questions, you can call them. And uh, also, if you have a, a tick you want to get identified, uh, they'll help work with you to try to figure out uh, how to best do that as we're uh, coming out of the coronavirus uh, kind of uh, safer at home kind of mode. Lauren, thanks again for being on the podcast with us today. Good information. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks to Lauren for joining us, and thanks to you for being here with us as well. If you want to get more Fairfax County news and events, we encourage you to go to fairfaxcounty.gov news. You can also call 703-Fairfax, that's 703-324-7329, weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Thanks again for joining us on the County Conversation, which is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia Government. <music>